Today we are in our final week of our But God series. Um, we've actually been in this series now for six weeks. Uh, it's been an incredibly challenging series. I don't know about, about you, but I have been challenged personally um, by this series and, and, and by understanding that in the midst of every moment, God is desiring to show up in a, in a, in a very real way. And as we go throughout our, our seasons and our situations, the power of these two words, but God, really can't be ignored. You, you, you cannot ignore the fact that in your life and in mine, things were going a certain way, and when God showed up, everything changed. And, and we see it throughout Scripture, these situations where things were, were, were pretty messed up and things were, were not going a good direction, and God showed up, but God. And the power of a but God moment in your life can change your whole situation, can change your whole circumstance. And so today we're going to dive into that a little deeper, and then we'll shift gears next week. But I did, I, I did want to just kind of make, make note, we need to probably stop recording these messages, um, because I was chastised heavily uh, by my mom, Connie, uh, and several others, uh, for that matter, several of you uh, got a hold of me and told me I should not be riding my moped without a helmet on. And so I think you can just cut, you want to cut the feed now, uh, we're just going to move on without, I'm just, just playing. But we'll conclude this series looking at one of the most important but God moments in the history of the church. It's a moment where the power of God showed up in a very mighty way and people were just like, what is going on? And have you ever had one of those defining moments in your life? One of those moments where you came to a, a, a crossroads, you came to a, a fork in the road and you could either go this way, you could go that way, you could either step out in faith or you could kind of take the, the, the safe route. Maybe it was a moment that seemed to solidify your purpose and reason for being. Maybe it was a decision that, that defined what the, the direction of your life would be. For many, it's, it's finding the right career. It's finding the right spouse. Maybe the birth of a child. For some, a tragedy brings about a defining decision or, or defining direction. Something that happens in your life and, and all of a sudden things change. And things shift, and you have to take a new direction. For Gretchen and I, it was the moment that we made the decision to follow God's direction into full-time ministry. I remember we were living in Southern California, and it was uh, things were going pretty well, and we both had great careers and 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 uh, great salaries, and and I remember we started praying because we were feeling God prompting us to to move toward this calling, and 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 it meant. A lot. It meant a big change. It meant relocating. It meant, you know, leaving successful careers and a, and a comfortable living. It, it meant stepping out into a season of an unknown. And I, and I can remember, like, like it was yesterday, standing in our, our kitchen in Menifee, California, and we were kind of praying, and we were looking at each other, and we were like, okay, we're going to do this? We're going to do this? And I remember the moment we, we decided to, and I said, okay, so just so you know, like, take my salary and, and cut it in half. And Gretchen, I think, had to pick herself up off the floor. And she was like, are you, are you serious? I was like, yeah, yeah, no, that's best case scenario. And we had to step out knowing that God had us, knowing that God was moving us in this direction. And it's in those defining moments that often the only thing we have to hold on to is the hope and the faith and the decision and direction that we're moving. 
Now, interestingly enough, our story today centers around one such defining moment in the life of Peter. Our text today is found in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there with me. If you don't have Bibles, you can navigate on your mobile device, um, and we have all of our notes and scriptures on the YouVersion Bible app. You can follow along there with us. Just search events and search Neighborhood Church. But Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Switch to verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to this. This is Peter preaching. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And in verse 40, with many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that in our situations and circumstances, you show up in these but God moments. And I'm so grateful that your power has the ability to change everything everything about our situation. And so God, we, would, we, 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 we just ask that you would open our hearts to what you would want to say today. We pray that you'd help us to understand your desire to work in and through our lives and to touch and reach people for your glory. God, we love you. We thank you for this time. I ask your blessing on it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in the midst of a moment where God's power and presence shows up in an unprecedented and, and, and frankly, miraculous way. Many were left confused and perplexed. Just think about it. The day of Pentecost, there's all these people in, in the city, and, and they're in the upper room, and they're praying, and the, the tongues of fire settle on their heads, and everybody starts speaking in other languages. And everybody was like, what in the heck is going on? This is just, this doesn't even make sense. And it's not too much different than the culture that we live in today. Many are looking around and, and things don't make sense and, and certainly the things of God don't make sense. And Many find themselves confused, maybe wondering why in the world we place so much stock in our faith in this person, Jesus. For many, God remains a mystery. For many, God with Jesus or a relationship with Jesus doesn't even seem necessary. Just kind of like, I, I, don't, I don't understand that. I don't really need it. And too many people are, are, are living without understanding the purpose that God has for their lives. So how then do we bring people to an understanding of their needs of God's love and hence power and his presence? How do we get them to that place of understanding? 
I oftentimes believe we too must be reminded of the power and presence of God and its impact on the defining moments of our lives. Because we can fall into the trap of just kind of going through our day and going through our life and missing out on the fact that God is doing something big in your life and in mine. Today I want to look at three different realities with which we must contend when it comes to the power and the presence of God. The first reality is this. When the power of God is evident in a life, people notice. Did you hear me? When the power of God is evident in a life, people will notice. Because it's, it's unmistakable. It's obvious. When power shows up on the scene, people have a tendency to... to it's why we, when, when, when power show up, shows up in our lives... People have a tendency to pay attention. It's, it's why we love fireworks. You know, we, we, all, we all run to the 4th of July. Okay, where's the biggest fireworks you know, event going to be? We want the biggest show with the biggest finale. And, you know, if you show up and it's like a 10-second finale, you're like, I want my money back. I didn't pay any money, but I want it back anyways because that was pitiful. But we love power. That's why people are awestruck by the power and the beauty of the ocean. Right? Many of us go to the ocean just because we love to be able to disconnect and go watch the beauty and the power of the ocean as it tumbles and roars, and, and it's therapeutic. It's why we marvel at the launch of a space shuttle, and come on, let's, let's just be honest. We all secretly at some point in our lives wanted to be an astronaut. Just admit it. I did. I remember as a kid, I, we were attending people's church up in, in Salem, and I think I was like seven or eight years old, and, and uh, my mom and dad had brought me to church, and you know, I was a good pastor's kid, so I wanted to be baptized. And I remember our past, pastor, Denny Davis, um, some of you guys know Pastor Denny, but he was our pastor, and he was a, he was a good, strong, you know, you know God-fearing, Bible-believing Bible man, and he, I remember my parents brought, him up, brought me up to, to Pastor Denny and said, hey, you know, Pastor Denny, Dan wants to get baptized, and he said, well, why do you want to get baptized? I said, well, because I love Jesus. And he says, well, you know, my parents wanted me to understand what baptism was all about, you know, before I got baptized. And he said, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, well, I want to be an astronaut, of course, right? And he said, well, okay, that's great, but what, what, are, you, what are you going to do if your fellow astronauts start doing something that's not so good? You know, what are you, you going to do then? And I said, well, that's easy. I'll, I'll get my little space suit on and I'll go outside. And it's just kind of like, well, you know. Yeah, we'll go moonwalk. I don't know. But we, we all understand power, and when we watch space, it leaves us with a, an element of wonder. Of course, we all love a good explosion. I mean, come on, right? All you pyromanias, mani maniacs out there and like fire, we all love a good explosion, especially if it happens to be the kingdom, you know, up, up in Seattle, which basically really signifies how we all feel about the Seahawks franchise. We're going to be honest about it. No? No? Okay. Sorry, that was a bridge too far. I apologize. But, you know, it's, it's, it's no different with the power of God. When the power of God shows up, people notice. We love to hear the stories of a life changed. We're amazed when we hear of a miraculous healing. Somebody was sick. Somebody was at death's door. Somebody was struggling with an ailment. 
and God miraculously healed them. And we're inspired and encouraged by a breakthrough in someone's life. They were going this direction and they had destructive patterns and behaviors and then God got a hold of them and they, and they did an about face and they started moving in a different direction. We love that. We're inspired and we, we say yes. But how many times have we fallen prey to the exercise of praying for a move of God, forgetting that God literally moves in power through his people? How often do we, 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 we pray and we pray and pray, God, move, show up, bring a revival. And he's saying, I'm, I'm ready. Can you just be ready? Can you be willing to step out in faith? Can you be willing to be the conduit of power to the people that I love? Too often we forget as God works in our lives, people are watching. As God is working and moving and bringing about his plan and his purpose, People are paying attention. Acts chapter 2, verse 5. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. People are watching, and they're wondering about what's going on in our lives. And they're either amazed or they're making fun of us and going, oh, they've hit the bottle one too many times. But what does our life speak to those with whom we come in contact? Because we should always, always be ready. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared, prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. When you have hope in the midst of a hopeless situation, people are going to notice. When you're upbeat in the midst of, of discouragement, people are going to go, what in the heck? What's wrong with this guy? Is he high? But when you find yourself in that situation and you can step out in faith and hope, people want to know why. The question then becomes, is the power of God truly evident in our lives? Are we changed? Is God's presence and power showing through? We've got to understand when the power of God is evident in a life, people will notice. Second thing is this. The power found in Jesus' death and resurrection must be shared and explained. The power found in Jesus' death and resurrection has to be shared, and it has to be explained because it doesn't make sense. People don't die and then come back to life. <laughs> that doesn't happen. And yet that's the basis of our entire 
faith and belief in God. And we tend to miss opportunities to share the hope and the strength that we've found because we get caught up in other things. We often assume the hope that we have in Jesus needs no explanation, but that's just not the case. Because for many, it doesn't make sense. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Do you understand your walk with Christ doesn't make sense to people? Do you understand your faith in God is foolishness to people who are not walking with him? Like you're putting all your stock in some guy, you know, who's floating around on a cloud and I don't know, whatever the definition of God is these days. Too often we don't realize that our faith needs to be explained. Peter understood what had happened needed to be explained. He understand this 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 crazy situation where the, where the power and the presence of, of God showed up in a, in a very tangible way. People began to speak in other tongues. He understood that needed to be explained. It needed to be defined. And so he stood up to preach. But we often focus on explaining the wrong things. People are interested in your life story. They're not really all that interested in your political beliefs. Sorry. And they're, they're, they're certainly not all that interested in your biblical theology. If they don't understand the things of God, then why would you want to go into some deep theological conversation about the Bible? They want to hear your story. They want to hear about your life. They want to hear about your journey. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. This is where Peter says, you know, this, this, this thing just happened. We got we to gotta explain this. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourself know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. We're not drunk. We're not all crazy. The power of God just showed up. I'm here to tell you there's a reason why people struggle to want to come to church. There's a reason why people struggle with Christians. Because we get too hung up in all the wrong stuff. How are they going to be able to accept the gospel? if they don't know the power of a changed life. They want to hear your story. They want to hear what's changed in your life. I was going down this path. I was chasing the wrong things. My marriage was screwed up. I wasn't treating my wife the right way. My kids were all over the place. And I knew I I needed something else, and I made a decision to follow Jesus, and everything changed. And I was able to see the problems, and I was able to see the decisions and the effect and the impact they were having on the people that I loved, I was able to change directions with the power and presence of God. People struggle to want to come to church because we focus on all the wrong things. There's a gentleman by the name of Kerry Newhoff. He's a f- former lawyer, well-known author, and leadership guru, uh, and he pastors a church called Connexus Church. 
Some of you may be familiar with him. Gary Newhoff wrote an article called Five Stupid Things the Church Needs to Stop Doing to Make Progress. You want to hear them? I'm going to tell you anyway. Here's the five stupid things the church and us as Christians should stop doing to help make progress. First thing is this. Stop being weird online. Yeah. Yeah. You know who you are. Don't be socially awkward and then call it authentic. Because it turns people off. <laughs> like, don't share your, your Christian faith in and, 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 and weird ways. And there's three categories of, of, of weirdos online. The first one's the toxic people. Hello, angry ranters. Or as my kids like to say, the trollers and the haters. Don't be the toxic people, as it turns people off. And they go, ah, that's what Christians look like. I don't think I want to be a part of that. Then there's the cynical people. I know there's no cynics in here, so we could just skip over this one, but I'm not going to. Yes, we know you're disappointed with everyone all the time, and no one gets it as right as you do. Don't be the cynic. Don't be the people who point everything else out to everybody else and, you know, put off this, I'm so great, you should probably be more like me. And then there's the syrupy people. Oh, the syrupy people. Everything that exists should be stitched on a pillow. You're so sweet that we really can't stand the taste and are not really sure that you live in the real world. Don't be the syrupy people, because people go, they don't get it. They don't understand what I'm going through. Life sucks right now, and you want to like, say, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Don't be syrupy. Second thing, don't comment on politics. You're welcome. Newsflash, God does not have a party affiliation. Sorry. Sorry to break it to you. He is not Republican. He is not Democrat. He's not conservative. And he's not liberal. He's God. Be careful not to speak for God. He's pretty good at speaking for himself. And if you look at Scripture, Jesus and Paul spent very little time trying to influence politics or government. Very little. Actually, they avoided it. Don't worship your own thoughts and theories. Worship God. Let people see you do that. Because your opinions, beliefs, and convictions are important. Probably most important to you. But they're not what defines you. The person who you serve does. So stop commenting on politics. Stop handling conflicts so poorly. Are you offended easily? You know, the church should be the best at handling conflict. Do you, do you, do you, do you hear me? We should be able to take stuff and not get offended all the time. We should be able to navigate through hard stuff. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. And then it's got some steps of gathering a couple and going, and, and, and if that doesn't work, then you go to the, 
the leadership of the church, but there's a, there's a way to work through conflict, and it's healthy. Don't talk about other people rather than to people. Talking about other people rather than to them is called gossip, and it's despised by God. And it has no, no place in the, in the life of a Christian or a Christ follower. The church we were previously at, they had a, they had a rule if you shared something in a conversation or interaction about somebody else, the person across from you is supposed to say, you have 24 hours to go tell that person what you told me about them. Otherwise, I'm going to. Yeah. How do you like that kind of accountability? Don't gossip. It divides people. It tears people apart. It breaks relationships. And when it comes to handling conflict, do it humbly and gently and with courage. It takes courage to, to call somebody out. It takes courage to say, hey, man, that, that, that really kind of hurt when you said that. I really didn't appreciate this situation or that. Be willing to understand and be humble and gentle when you confront somebody, knowing that you've struggled in the same ways. Stop ranking sin selectively. Stop focusing on the faults and sins of others and ranking them. Well, this sin's bad, but this one's really bad. You can maybe get away with that one, but that one, no, not so much. We allow these kind of people into the church, but not those kind of people in the church. Mm -mm. It's a no-go for lunch. We can't rank sin. God doesn't. Sin is sin. As Christians, perhaps we can lead the charge of confessing our own sin to God, and maybe, just maybe, the world will follow, and culture will start to figure out that it's okay to be human and have faults and apologize. But right now, all we're seeing is people who apologize for things when they do, that they do when they're you know, teenagers are still canceled. can't do that stuff. You can't be human. You can't make mistakes, or we're going to cancel you. Let's not be those people. And then stop judging outsiders. There is only one perfect, fair, just, and accurate judge. And he's not me, and he's not you. God is the only one who has the right to judge anybody. So let's stop judging people. Even Jesus John 3.17. We all know John 3.16. John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Not even Jesus showed up to condemn people. And he didn't. He loved people. He came alongside of people. In their most vulnerable, hurting moments, he came alongside and loved people. And we're called to do the same. I remember a conversation a, a few years back. We were on staff here. Uh, with Kelly and the team, and and we had the privilege to be pretty connected in the community, and, and Elijah was swimming at that time, and we were getting to know all the, the swimming families, and our lives basically we were, were sat poolside, for better or for worse, we sat by the pool a lot. And I, was, I remember sitting next to this gal, and I just met her, and she had just figured out I was a pastor. She was a very successful businesswoman, kind of colorful language, you know, she was very funny, but, you know, a little off-colored, and so we were talking one day, and and she said, hey, you know, I've, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I heard about this thing in, in church. It's called tithing. Like, can you explain that to me? 
And she was very like, this seems a lot like the whole telev- televangelist thing where you just, you just want to turn people upside down and empty out their pockets. All you guys are trying to do is get their money. She's like, can you explain that to me? I said, yeah, absolutely. And I said, it's, it's basically, it's a, it's a stewardship thing. And I said, we believe that God has entrusted resources to us and that the tithe is a 10, 10% that we are, are commanded to give back to God. And we understand that that supports and strengthens the, the ministry of the local church. It's kind of like our, kind of like our dues, but not. Um, and I said, for us, it's, 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 it's something that we enjoy doing. It's being able to give back to the church so that the church can reach out and bless people and, and meet people's needs and come alongside of people in the community and, and, and do good things. And, and we spent about 30 minutes, and she was asking all these questions, and it was interesting. She went from being very cynical to, at the end of the conversation, she was like, that makes sense. Yeah, I can get on board with that. That makes total sense. And she was a very financially-minded person, but I, I remember her completely changing around where you know she was cynical of the church and then all of a sudden was like oh, okay that's good that's good you guys should do that <laughs> yeah i know but we have to bring the explanation sometimes for people because they don't understand it they've only seen the bad they've only seen the christians who fail they've only seen the churches who've taken advantage of people they've only seen the ministries that have wrung people out and left them without anything And that's defined church and Christianity for them. And the power and presence of God is not that. Jesus has always been an attractional force. He's always been something that has been attractional to people. It's the legalistic aspects of church and Christianity that turn people off. Here's the set of rules you got to make sure you shower and shave and put on this nice little outfit before you come in, because otherwise it's going to get really awkward. And none of us, that's not the heart of any of us, but, but too often if, we, if, we don't, if we're not really careful, that's what we can fall into, and that's what people can see. But we're called to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Your story matters. What God has done in your heart and in your life matters to people. So bring the explanation to your story. This is where I was. This is where I am. Who were you before God? Before your but God moment? What did that look like? I was going this direction. I was messing things up. I was hurting people left and right. But God got a hold of me. He changed everything. He delivered me from drugs. He delivered me from alcohol. He delivered me from a life that was wrought with hurt. Pastor I used to get to, that I used to work with said a person with a story is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. People cannot deny your story. They can't take away the journey that you've been on. They can't contest that or debate it. It's yours. And the power and the presence of God and that amazing but God changing power is part of it. So people can can maybe debate God's existence. They can debate who Jesus was and who Jesus is, but they can't debate what's happened in your life. 
Let's let God's power and presence shine through our story. Because that's the greatest power to change somebody's thoughts and perspectives. So we've got to understand that the power of God is evident in a life people notice. We've got to also understand that the power found in Jesus' death and resurrection needs to be shared and it needs explanation. The final thing is this. The saving power that raised Jesus from death to life is alive in you and me and it's available to everybody. That's it. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you. And it should be shared with everybody. It's not like, well, that person, yeah, they're pretty nice. I might share my story with them. No, it's available to everyone. And we need to remember that God gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit as a helper and an enabler. The Spirit of God is there as an inner working power to help you live the life that God has called you to so that people notice and ask what's going on in your life. Through the Spirit of God's work in our lives, we're empowered to share the hope we have with others. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Are you pleading with people with the direction they're moving in their lives? Are you coming alongside of people and saying, I love you, and you're, you're going in a, in, a, in a direction that's going to be destructive? Are we pleading with people to understand God has a plan and a purpose for their lives? Or are we okay with them continuing to move in the direction that they're going? I don't know about you, but when something great happens in my life, I want to tell people about it. I love being able to share good news. I, I remember when I met Gretchen, and I, I, I went home, and I told everybody that I'd found the girl that I was going to marry. I went home, and I was like, Mom, Dad, I found her. I told all my friends, and I was excited. I was pumped. We had our kids. I wanted to show them off. I wanted to tell everybody about our kids. We had a, yeah, we got our family. It's growing. For, me, for you, it may be new seasons, new opportunities, new things that God's calling you to. When we do what we can to share the hope that we found in Jesus, the Holy Spirit will do what only he can do to awaken the hearts of those with whom we interact. We just have to obey. Nobody's asked you to save people. We're not that great. I'm not that great. But if we step out in obedience, God can do that work to change the very fabric of somebody's life. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised, raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is at work in and through your life. And he desires that none would perish, none would be separated from him. I daily remind myself, I don't have to be amazing. God is amazing. I just have to be available. Did you hear me? You don't have to be amazing. God is amazing. 
You just have to be available. You just have to be willing to step into the opportunity, step into the interaction, step into the situation that God has thrust you into and be willing to speak, be willing to share, knowing that the Spirit of God will give you the right words. As we close today, I want to challenge you. There are people with whom only you have influence, only you. Only you, only you, only you, only you, only you. You're the only one who has the influence to speak to the heart. My only question is, will you have the courage that Peter had to share the hope that you found? Because we either, we either do or we don't. God will tee up the opportunity, those God moments, those but, but God moments, but are we willing to step into them? Are we, are we willing to embrace them, to understand that somebody's eternity is at stake? But God raised you out of the depths of discouragement, depression, despair, freeing you from a life controlled by temporary desires. He called you out of it. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? You know, God would not have sent Jesus to die had he not had big things in store for you and for me. Will we be willing to step into his plan and purpose today knowing that we won't be alone? Knowing that the Spirit of God is the power and the presence and the helper that we need? Church, we've got to remember when the power of God is evident in your life, people will take notice. And when they do, the power of the gospel must be explained through your story in order for people to receive it. And finally, the same power that raised Jesus from death to life is available to you every day, every moment of every day, and it should be shared with everyone. It's good news. Maybe you're in this place this morning and you say, you know what, that, 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 that resounds with me. I've, I've, I've been in that place where I've, I've, I've maybe forgotten that as a follower of Christ, I'm, I'm, I'm called to lead people to Christ. I'm called to be that, that, that example of the redeeming power of Jesus. Perhaps you've lost hope along the way. And you need God's power again just to take the next step. Perhaps you've been hurt by the church or by a Christian. And you find yourself in that place where you're, you're kind of weighing all this stuff, saying, ah, it all sounds pretty good, but, man, people are, are, are pretty mean. Whatever's holding you back right now, I would ask you to lay it down. I'm humbly asking you to lay it down. And would you be willing to step into what God has for you today? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm going to pray for those of us who are in that place, understanding that God has more, and he desires to use us, 
desires to speak through our story to bring about a but God moment for someone. Perhaps today is your but God moment. So God, we ask today, Lord, that you would forgive us for those areas perhaps that we've fallen short, that we've, we've not given enough awareness to our need of you. We've tried to live our lives on our own. We've tried to live our lives in our own power and our own strength. And too often, if I'm looking at my own life, I've failed miserably. So God, we ask for your power and your presence to fall on us again. That as people look at our lives and they say, it doesn't make sense, you were living like this and now you're not. You were prioritizing this and now you've gone a different direction. What's changed? God, that you would give us the power to speak with boldness and courage of your love. Father, we're so thankful that we don't have to live this life on our own, in our own power, but you give us strength every day to walk with you. So we commit ourselves again to you today, and we ask that you'd use us for your glory and for your power and for your presence to touch people. And that you'd awaken our stories in our hearts again as a, as a force of change for you. God, we thank you. Thank you for your love. And this morning, whether you're here in the, in the church or you're tuning in online, perhaps you're in a place where you've not made a decision to follow Jesus with your whole heart. You've not, you don't know what it means to walk with God, to have a relationship with him. Our desire is you wouldn't miss out knowing that that but God moment for us has changed everything and, and, and this is your but God moment. And so we would invite you today, if that is your desire to step into that relationship, that you would say this simple prayer with us and we're going to say it in just a moment here. The scripture tells us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that Christ died and was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. And the power and presence of God will come into your life and change everything. So church, can we say this prayer together, believing that there are those who are coming back to God. There are those who are returning the prodigals coming back. There are those who are making this decision for the very first time. But if we could say this together, not to single anyone out or embarrass anyone, Father God, Please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth to show me how to live and died and was raised back to life so that I have a relationship with you. I ask you today to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change. And I decide today to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so grateful that we serve a God who never gives up on us.
that he desires a relationship with us, that he desires to share his story through ours. This morning, if you'd like additional prayer, our prayer team is available to you. Um, if you'd like us to be praying with you, you can email us at info at albanync.org. If you've made a decision to follow Christ today, we want to hear about it. We want to celebrate with you. We want to help you take the next steps. But I'm so grateful that God is orchestrating his perfect plan for you and for me each and every day as we trust him. And as we step out in faith into the situation and circumstances of our lives, I pray God's power and presence would be evident in your life and that as people come and say, tell me what's different, we would have the courage to share our story because your but God moment matters to others. So as we leave this place, as we prepare for a wonderful, amazing week, many of you enjoying spring break, many of us not, I pray God's blessing on you as we prepare for Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Easter. Just be praying with us. God would move in a mighty way. And as we move out of this place, let's be looking for those opportunities to continue to love people. And in every step, in every moment, in every situation of our days, let's make sure that we're working to be the neighborhood. God bless you as you go today. Have a wonderful day. We love you guys. See you next week.